Welcome to this episode 9 of Four Color Ultrasound. I'm your host, Dieter. With me is Mike. And uh, together, we uh, like to read comic books, but even more, we like to talk about them. So uh, we decided to make a podcast for other people to hear us talk about comics, because we thought somebody would like that. So we'll find out. But either way, we're going to go over some uh, comic books from August 14th, 2019. So if you haven't read those comic books, we will be spoiling them and uh, going over them. So either read them or don't. I don't really care. But uh, here we go, getting right into it. Detective Comics, uh, number 1009, Survivor, by Peter J. Tomasi. uh, Art by Christian Deuce, and color by Luis Guerrero. So yeah. Last time we saw the world's sleepiest detective, the Joker, realizing Doom's inevitable uprising, thought it would be best if he invite his good old buddy Bat to an evening at their favorite amusement park to remember the good old days. After some laughs, punches, and near explosions, the Joker slipped away and we were left with the jarring transition cliffhanger of Victor Freeze about to receive his dark gift from Apex Lex. Surely this week's issue will find out everything there is about that gift while learning more about Victor's role in Doom and certainly not receive a Deadshot story as a prelude to the next story arc. <laughs> Only one way to find out, Mike. Surely Gotta not. Re- sure, there's no way <laughs> this book is going to be about Deadshot and something completely unrelated to what they left us with last time. I mean, right? Oh, you, I couldn't imagine it would be. All right, so yeah, let's find out. So first page starts off what, sir? out every night this month like i said he's the sleepiest detective in the last issue he was uh woken up prematurely by the joker <laughs> to go visit him at the so if this takes place like the next night then like you know he's not getting any sleep at all but well that's not the point batman doesn't get any sleep he has to fight crime by day and be a playboy well the other way around fight crime by night and be a playboy by day playboy million but well, he's not even a playboy in this issue he's a businessman first so that's true but you see him with the i mean the title page He's doing his brooding on top of a, uh, a gargoyle. Like, his fists are just covered in blood. He pummeled this guy. So it starts off, he punches the guy in the face, <laughs> knocks all his teeth out, right? Yeah. And then I guess he beats a bunch of other guys up. Well, he doesn't have any blood on his fists when he's shooting the batarang away. No, this anyway. is the end of the night. This is like by the time he's done, he's like, ah, oh, the sun's coming up. He's like, now the blood is drying on my gloves. I've never, I don't know, I've so, never seen that much blood. No, I've never seen that much blood. Is he killing everybody? No, he's just, he's like, he doesn't, he's not going to kill you, but like, he's not going to let you leave a happy life afterwards. You're going to be maimed, <laughs> maimed for sure. Like there's no. So you're saying this is many people's bloods? Yeah. And I think the only reason why they put it on is for the next page. So they could show off this bat tech where uh, he has to get sanitized on his way back into the bat cave and all the blood washing off of him. Like for more <laughs> effect. I think that's what they brought that in for. That yeah, is true. But then, like, he is, like, cleansed of all this blood, and he's, like, petting a dog going, hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> not a sociopath at all, buddy. <laughs> he does. He looks He looks pretty happy when he's petting Ace. Look how long his torso is. It's odd. But 
But yeah, so like I said, he's woken up like, what, two minutes? He's allowed to sleep for two minutes. Either that or 12 hours and two minutes, but I don't think he was doing all that pummeling prior to six o'clock at night. Right? Yeah, I don't know. That's six in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I meant. He's either yeah. fell asleep at 6.05 and then he's only allowed to sleep for two minutes or it's been an hour and two or 12 hours and two minutes. Yeah. Because of, yeah, but I doubt it. So two minutes sleep. And then uh, it cuts to Deadshot. But... Oh, wait I a minute. Know. I thought you said Deadshot wasn't going to be in this. I know. I lied. It was going to be is. all about Mr. Freeze. No, no, it's not. It's about Deadshot. Oh, okay. Bruce Wayne and... Uh, Deadshot is elsewhere. He's not even, it doesn't tell you exactly where he is, but he's waiting in on somebody. Which, elsewhere is just their way of saying, uh, we can't pick a location. <laughs> he's not next to Batman. Like, as you would think, he's, he, he's over here in the middle of the forest. Are we supposed to think he was uh, in Batman's uh, bedroom? This Do they art, have to say elsewhere? This artwork of the guy jumping out of the plane, this starts my first of many problems with airplanes in this issue. <laughs> but look at the size of the moon. And just the panel where, like, we're witnessing it, uh-huh. right? It's, like, the size of, like, a a nickel, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's through Deadshot's eyes who's, like, zooming in on it, right? But it's, like, the size of, like, just a quarter now. It barely got any bigger. And the plane probably, like, quadrupled in size, right? <laughs> and then when the guy's getting out of it, like the moon takes up half the page, but now the plane is bigger than the moon. Like, wait, like, I don't know. It's really strange, the size of this moon versus the plane in these three panels. Yeah, the perspective here is not very good. And then how high up do you think, this guy, like it? it's mentioned that he's doing a, because Deadshot's like, oh, you opened your chute too early, you dumbass. And the guy's like, oh, you're like a expert on halo jumps now, right? which I had to look up. It's a high-altitude, low-opening jumps. So it's a high-altitude plane. Do you think he could really see it with his naked eye first before seeing it? With, I don't know. We're focusing too much on it. But I just... It's got... A, I think I looked... It's like 35,000 feet. Could you see a plane like that at 35,000 feet at nighttime? I don't know. If it's for, if it's going across the moon when it's that large, yeah. With that much detail, though, where you saw, like, wings and everything, then why would they fly across the moon like that? They're not being... Why... Why not just... Why I don't know. You're too obsessed with this. I, know, I did not just, pay that much attention to that. Just wait until later. I'll get even more obsessed. But like we said, the guy, he's showing up and he's like, oh, we got a we got a job for you, Deadshot. Or Deadshot, yeah. Deathstroke. No, Deadshot. My bad. I get him all confused. And uh, he takes the job and then murders the guy anyway. So like that whole theatrics of them jumping out of the plane for nothing. Just murdered. Blam. That's what Deadshot does. He shoots you dead. He does. And then he we does. go back. He goes back to national, the National Bank headquarters in Gotham, right? And it's a board meeting. We're like bank headquarters, right? And we're talking the highest level in this meeting. And they got like these rinky-dinky-ass office chairs. and <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Banks they, don't like to waste money. They all decide that the best thing to do would be go to the environmental summit in Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. They're all, but they're all going to take the same plane, the same private jet that Clooney is going to fly or something. They broke the fourth wall on that one, right? Or, I guess, I don't know. But anyway, so they're all on the same plane. and. Uh, Sorry, can you go back to that? No. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, he's talk- so in in that office, the whole thing is uh, uh, Bruce Wayne is acting like he's bored, <clears throat> and uh, Lucius wants to spend money on uh, on I don't know something good, right? He's an environmental advisor. He wants to help the environment, all that, right? Yeah. And so he's Wayne acts as though he doesn't care, and everybody else goes, "See, Bruce doesn't care about this." And Bruce goes, "No, spend the money. I don't care what it is. Spend the money if it's good stuff, right?" In his last panel, he goes, uh, "Fox, call the rest of the CEOs and tell them we're jetpooling to Singapore." Then he goes, "And buddy, I want you to take an acting class pronto. Call Clooney. He owes me." Like, what was the reference to the acting class? Was it because Lucius is acting like he doesn't know he's Batman? And if he if he is talking about that, he's no, standing right boring. in front of everybody else. It's how boring he is. Because he says... Uh, oh, okay. It's because he's like, too boring he, to take an acting says, class. I get it. Because he says everybody's bored, Lucius. Like, you need to, like, you know, soup it up or something. No, that makes so much more sense. I was yeah. going with the whole thing of Bruce is basically just acting. Well, I'm glad and that so, makes sense because they're all getting into this. It's a it's a, it's a a private jet, right? This isn't mm-hmm. like... It's not, the, it's not the world's biggest plane, is it? No, it's just private jet. Okay, because where, Gotham is supposed to be where? Uh, it's like I have New, no idea. It's supposed to be New Jersey. Like tech, that's what they say. Like oh really? I've never D- heard that. DC. Uh, it was always supposed to be. People said it was supposed to be like Washington. No, what did they say? I don't know. It was supposed to be. People always guess, but then DC started introducing real cities like New York and all that stuff into their universe. So then they said like. DC is technically in Gotham. The Metropolis is like where Washington DC would be and all this stuff. But anyway, it's on the Eastern seaboard and they're going to fly a passenger jet or not even a passenger jet, just a private jet to Singapore, which Mm -hmm. is, I don't know if you have any idea how far that would be. It's pretty far. Intrigued me enough to look it up. And there's only one flight in the world. It's the longest flight in the world. It's nine, 9,500 kilometers and it takes 20 hours if you did non-stop okay so they don't have enough fuel to make it non-stop is what you're saying yeah they're all they're embarking on like a 50 hour flight right now i looked into it like if you had to like refuel and everything but nobody's acting like oh anything i don't know and then to get just past all that like i don't know it doesn't make any sense how they're flying but the thing is is one of the pilot they're on autopilot and it says they're coming to the china coast they wouldn't even fly that way you would actually go over the top, like over the Arctic Circle. <laughs> They're talking about like they flew from like New York over the west coast of America, over like the Pacific Ocean, and then approached by like way of China, like the coast of China. And that'd be even <laughs> further. There's no way this flight is practical. That's why I mean, like whoever did the air, like why they introduced so many airplanes into this issue and then got so much wrong about them. <laughs> Tomasi just didn't do any research on this. I take nothing. I take he's it. Like, no, he's like, I'll put two airplanes into this issue, and I'm not going to do any research on like <laughs> proportions, sizes, or like the way they'd be used correctly. But I don't know. Suspend your belief, and then you can get to the fact that Deadshot was actually one of the pilots the whole time. Batman pretty much never has any good security for some reason. No, and he has like a blonde wig, but is like black-haired mustache is still <laughs> showing. <laughs> that is the worst wig ever. I think, okay, I'm going to have to post this on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter because you're right. I didn't think I didn't notice that before. He's sitting there as the pilot or co-pilot in front of the plane here. And how did he get past security? <laughs> that is right. the worst wig of all time. 
His eyebrows are dark black. His mustache is dark black. So it almost good. looks like it's a wig with dark underneath his uh, underneath it. It's pretty funny. So you're the new co-pilot, huh? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, and then no, like, okay, hour like we're because they're getting to China, so they're pretty close to Singapore. So this is like hour forty-eight into the flight, like day two, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, guess what? <laughs> All that stuff. I don't know. Even but, if it even if it was nonstop." They're like hour 15 into the flight because they're coming up on China. So, which they wouldn't go that way anyway, but still. But then what does he do? So he puts his, he, he has the pilot at, gun, at gunpoint. They don't show him killing him, but then he pulls out of his, what looks like a metal briefcase. He pulls out his entire metal suit of armor as Deadshot. So how did he get that past security too? Oh, all this metal of my briefcase? <laughs> uh, <to> my laptop. <laughs> it's just a giant laptop in there. See the red lights on. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. See the red lights on for his uh, for his one uh, electronic eye. Yeah, there you go. And so he takes over the plane, and then what? Lightning hits it, right? Yeah, of course, as happens very often on planes. He didn't murder the pilot, by the way. He just left him alone to like fly the plane because it cuts back to the pilot like mayday, mayday. Oh, that's Light- true. Lightning hit us. There's nobody taking over the plane and hijacking us. It's <laughs> just lightning. <laughs> And then, uh, <laughs> sorry, this is hilarious. <laughs> People are getting sucked out of the plane left and right, and uh, it ends up crashing on a small island. And uh, that's where it ends with uh, hell in the Pacific. So yeah, but it was a it was a prelude to the next arc. The cra- the crashing part the part was the part that I caught on to. So you he so Bruce sees that everybody, that they're crashing. So he starts grabbing everybody, putting them in their seat, and putting a seatbelt on as they're getting sucked out of the plane. Yeah, at one point you got that woman there holding on to the back of the seat with her legs like being sucked out of the plane. <clears throat> he grabs her with one arm, pulls her in, ties her down, and then all the chairs get sucked out anyway. Um, yeah, all for naught. And then uh, and then Jet Deadshot flies out, and I don't see him anywhere in this debris on this last page. Well, uh, yeah, he can't. Well, yeah, he'd be like what, right around the middle. Yeah, so he's, and so, he's but he survives so. that crash. Well, that snake's going to get him if anything. That's true. <laughs> There's a snake there, hell in the Pacific. I hope that snake shows up later because here you go. You got the plane crash in multiple pieces, like lost, and then there's just a snake at the bottom of the page. That was the first thing that tipped me out. That like, it was the title of the arc. I was like, in the Pacific. I was like, where did they crash? I was like, where did they fly from? <laughs> Where did they go? And then I started, I fell down the rabbit hole of like, I was like, where's Gotham supposed to be? How far would that be to Singapore? Is there a nonstop flight that goes that far? I found out so much information. It was kind of fun. Yeah. So maybe it is like, a, like Tomasi's really a genius where he's like, I'm going to put a bunch of misinformation about planes on here and force people to learn about them. <laughs> his, whole, his whole point is just a, uh, so people learn about aviation in general. Exactly. Because nothing happened in this book except that. I mean, it sounds like we're just glossing over this, but well, that's don't, pretty much well, exactly what happened. Well, all glossing aside, there's still two more pages to talk about. That is true. Are and, there? Uh, and not really. Well, it gets to the actual Victor Freeze part, and it doesn't move it forward at all. It tells you exactly, like, it is literally, like, one second forward from where it left off. Like, it left off with a... Lex being like, you could bring Nora back. Like, that's basically what he said, not Mm -hmm. verbatim. And then this is like two pages of him looking at Nora, and he's like, together. We're going to be together soon. And that first first page, like, I mean, the art's really nice. Mm -hmm. It looks like he spent, like, a lot of time 
on like Victor's face and then like the reflection and then her hair and then all her eyes and you see everything he did but then that you get to her feet and it's like he did that he's oh gotta turn out <laughs> only got three minutes left <laughs> he's like I don't know that just compared to every other panel in that page the feet are like but what part about it bothers you because the squiggly lines and everything you're looking at it through ice right I'm looking at the first four toes are like all the same size basically no oh. <laughs> it's again it's the ice it's the refraction of light I don't know. It's, it's genius art. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's basically you get the, that's the only Victor Freeze that gets brought back up again. Is that? But okay, so so but uh, Nora, she's dying of some disease, right? Yeah. So is that what, are these rays that this power that he gives them is to cure disease? Her specific disease. All right. I guess that's the whole power. So now now that she's out. What is Lex going to use uh, Victor Freeze for? His power can't do anything then. If she's the only one that has this, this disease. Well, maybe if we uh, judge this cover by its story. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we might learn more because maybe it'll have like his guns that he got, like his gift on the cover maybe, at least, because he was on the cover, and then that'll give us more information. So if we look... Mm, no, he does not. He has a different gun altogether. So <laughs> it's a different gun. He's got the big thing on his hand. He's got a big giant gauntlet on his hand. He's got, yeah, he's got that pretty kick-ass holster like shirt thing going on though. Uh, it is pretty cool. Kind of looks like Grayson. He does. He looks kind of badass. And he's got like the red goggles still. But then Flash frozen by Mister Freeze. Bat is like in cased in ice with a wicked underbite. He looks like a Cro-Magnum. Like in <laughs> no, it's underbite till just now, you're right. <laughs> that is but some yeah, underbite. But yeah, this is a perfect example of this. Again, like, if you read the last issue and it left off with the Victor Freeze and the... was it's not What was the other one? The Offer. The Offer, yeah. And then you go, you pick up the Dark Gifts. Mm-hmm. And it's got Mr. Freeze on the front. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. And you only get you get you get one second of Mister Freeze storyline. Yeah, this is a big change because all the other ones, the Dark Gifts, was just a tie-in at the end, and it had nothing to do with what's on the cover. But this one, the entire cover was the uh, big tie-in, which really did nothing. So I bring this up also because in the news last week you said they pulled Superman and Supergirl because yep they said that the story didn't have anything to do with what was on the cover. And here, the story doesn't have anything to do with what's on the cover, but they didn't pull Detective Comics. So I didn't... I don't know. Just yeah, seemed... I'm not quite sure what they mean by that. Because they even took... Because with the Superman one, they, they even took the whole banner off. The Year of the Villain off altogether. And we ended up talking about Detective Comics because Superman didn't come out. <laughs> Pretty, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so I just thought it was really strange. It was like, we didn't get to read a comic we wanted to read that we'd normally read. And it's like... Because, oh, they were like, oh, well, the content doesn't match the cover. And they're like, so I was like, all right, well, let's, you know, pick up Detective. We haven't read Detective in a while. Maybe it's cha it's a new story arc. It's going, maybe it'll give us more information on Year of the Villain. And it's like, no, this story doesn't have anything to do with the cover, but you get to read this one. So I just thought that was strange. Yeah, it is kind of odd. Now, the cover itself, I really like the cover. It's a pretty cool cover because it's oh, the... going through a sheet of ice and with the battle, with the battle damage logos, and he's freezing... Uh, Batman in the face and hand, which means that, well, I guess his whole body's frozen, which means he's going to die in a minute or two. But it is very frustrating, like you said. Not only is Mr. Freeze not in this whole issue, 
he's not there with Batman, and he's just uh, helping out. He's unfreezing Laura, Nora, and I assume uh, curing her incurable disease. And he's not even use those, using those dope-ass guns that <laughs> he, he doesn't has. use those guns. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Man, come on, guys. Come on, DC. But what does it say he was? What happened to Batman right there? What? Frozen by Freeze? Flash Frozen by Freeze? Oh, the Flash, number 76. Ooh. Death and the Speed Force by Joshua Williamson. Art by Rafa Sandoval. And words, or not words, colors by uh, Jordi Tarragona, I suppose. Sounds like it. Yeah. This, uh, we're not... Again, I mean, we only do it one time, I guess, now, but we could. This is the exact same problem with this cover of this story, by the way. It shows uh, Captain Cold, the frozen fury of Captain Cold, and like he's freezing Barry Allen, but that doesn't happen in this issue. Just right not off. Not even the close. No, it does not. So, uh, after the new character, Steadfast revealed our titular character has forgotten his forgotten and true origin story in year one we were snapped back to the present time where he also unre- er, oh, unraveled the remaining mysteries of the still force and how the connections of the speed force are going to be what prevents the flash from being fast enough to save the multiverse armed with this new information and sense of hope barry starts down a path of righting wrongs and mending friendships in preparation for what's to come next will barry be able to convince his friends he's changed for the better and will he be able to work together to bring the speed force back to its speediest gotta read to find out mike Back to its speediest. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Well, that's like, that's, I don't know, kind of the, that's what they say. Like, it's got to be faster. It's got to be faster than it ever was, so it's got to be its speediest. The speediest speed force that ever sped. <laughs> the speediest speed force that ever sped. All right. That works. So, I don't know. This was kind of, uh, I hadn't been reading Flash for a while. I didn't finish. I tried to start the year one. I didn't like it too much, so... I yeah, I think that one works a lot better if you read the whole thing. But even so, I'm a little confused because I, f- I flipped through a bunch of them. And there's a weird thing where Wally and Wallace are both Iris's nephews. They meet. And he's, she's like, meet Wally and Wallace. They're my nephews. And I'm like, I thought they came from the different universe with the whole um, Rebirth and New 52 stuff. So I'm lost as to what they're changing. Well, it's 2019, so maybe she just accepted it. <laughs> I just accepted it. I'm okay with it. It just I don't understand where the uh, where the rules are, because all of New Fifty Two. I mean, pre New Fifty Two, supposedly it happened. It was just a different universe, and they all forgot. So I don't know. I'm confused. Well, right from the beginning, then we're all confused. Oh, but good. yeah, I was kind of confused as well. But there, it's, it's uh, like you said, it's Wallace, and he's what he's Kid Flash. What's his name? He's Kid Flash. Yeah. Yeah, and then who's this other Flash? Do you know, were you aware of Oh, her? the girl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's from um, uh, uh, New Superman. So she's from China. Oh, the Justice League of the China? Justice League China, yeah. Oh. And she she showed up here at some point. She came by to say, hey, how's it going? I want to see the American Flash. And I'm, I'm not sure why she showed up, but she came. And then they've been uh, hanging out here and there for a while. Okay, well, they're fighting... Uh... Tar pit and girder, <laughs> appropriately named in a construction zone, which is like this is so perfect. But like I haven't read, I don't read a lot of Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge speedster comic. I mean, we pick up, I try to pick up new arcs every once in a while. Yeah. It sounds like it'll be important, but like I say, you end up not reading them through. But uh, 
I always like it when the art conveys speed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think like this guy, whoever drew this, or Rafa Sandoval, he did a really good job, I think, on a lot of the panels. And like later on, he does, when Captain Cold does show up, he does good at like the opposite, where it's like it, things have to look frozen. Mm-hmm. And to go from back to forth, I think that like every, like if you look like, just to make like, to make like a still picture look like it's moving fast to me seems like it'd be really difficult. But like for the most part, when I do read flash books, it works. And yeah, I the guy that drew the last one, I forgot who it was. Was it Howard Porter? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he did. He did a real good job. He had a very uh, distinct um, art style to everything. Lots of lines yeah. everywhere. But like you said, with the speed, it worked really well. And then Manipole in the new 52. If you remember that one. Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. was really good, too. Francis Vanderpool is awesome. He did a lot with all the uh, logos and everything and the titles. Built it into the whole um, scene. And that was really cool. So with all that said about the art being as good as it is, did you notice anything missing from this comic book as you read it? No. Nothing jumped out like halfway through the book where you're like, some. I'm like, there's something just not in the book. No. Page numbers? No. While we're going on, count how, like, it's going to sound weird, I know, and I could (laughs) explain myself, but there's, like, no, like, crotches or mid, like, lower torso areas on anybody. Like, it's, like, (laughs) weird. Just as we go through, you can check it out. They're all either crossed their legs or it's shaded out. Like in That's blackness. But anyway, it's like you go back to Detective and look. Like people draw them. There's like belts and zippers and. Yeah, pants. people draw them. Okay, so it's just, I don't know. It's just like, I'm not saying I read comics for the dicks. I'm not like Are saying you sure? That. No, but it's like when they're missing, you kind of tend to notice. You're like, did hey. You, did you run out to get that black label book? Which I one did. was it? Number one. <laughs> What's the name of it? <laughs> the uh, Batman one. Oh, the one by uh, ah, damn. that guy that wrote the other books, that wrote Wonder Woman. Exactly. No. All but right. anyway, I'm just saying, like I said, I don't read them for the dicks, but when they're not there, you tend to question, like, what happened? Like, why is he so modest? Yeah, I don't know. He, just, he doesn't know how to draw it? I don't know. Every single person, it's like just all black, and then it's, or like their legs are like folded. It's really strange. But anyway, moving on. So that fight ends, and like I said, Barry Allen shows up, and he's like, hey, guys, it's me. Remember me? And they're like, no, you're a dick. Do you remember why they're so mad at him? No, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look back that far either. And I'm not sure if this has, if, if any of this has anything to do with uh, Heroes in Crisis, where Wally went to went to jail, and I don't know. He, he Barry was being a jerk at some point early on. I think it was quite a while ago. Isn't that just his character, though? Like, Barry's always the jerk? Like, he always just... Like, he's good at being the Flash, but, like, when it comes to being Barry Allen, he's always, like, screwing everybody over. Uh, I don't know. Like you said, I haven't read enough Flash either. Good thing we're going over this book so know. everybody can, like, get a... <laughs> read this book. It's excellent. Yeah. No, it is pretty good. Other than, like, missing the crotches and stuff, like, it's great. No, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. So, 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 but I'm just a little lost what's going on. So, yeah, they're they're fighting them, and then that fight ends, and he's like, hey, Wally, be, be friends with me. Everything is good. Let me go show you the new uh, Flash Museum. Well, no, they're like, no, we're not going to be friends with you. And he's like, well, let me show you some stuff. Like, I've not only have I changed, like, the whole thing has changed. But, yeah, because he rebuilt the Flash. This happened at the end of year 
one. Yeah. I take it. He rebuilt all this stuff. And I think that's the part of what it was, too. He always wanted to be by himself, and he doesn't trust anybody else. And I think that's the big part, especially when Wally was – when Wallace was uh, trying to become Kid Flash. Barry was keeps trying to push him away. I think it's that old uh, – that whole thing. And so now with this, when he builds the – when he shows in the Flash Museum, they've got a command center for them all to work together. Yeah. All right, so that's the whole like, thing. He's like, no more secrets, and then – Kid Flash is like, you can't handle no more secrets. Oh, and then that Steadfast character, who's really... Steadfast showed up, right? He was the one that showed him his vision of year one. Oh, was that the one that started it? But yeah, it was all the... when The, the whole... Yeah, the multiple, that, all the different forces, and that was a still force one, yeah. Yeah, well, no, if you want... Like, at the beginning of that story, because I did read the beginning, mm -hmm. it was this guy showed up, Steadfast, and he was like you haven't seen like that much and he shoots like rays into his eyes and it, that's when it jumped to year one and then it ended like he snapped out of it and so he's just, he's only he's only really been here for like this is only like five minutes after that happened right yeah because yeah so he's a very important character and he's very like i'm glad he showed up i can't wait to learn more about him <laughs> but he was around when he went when when they were when barry and uh iris were no. Going throughout the world looking for the different forces, right? Then they chase no. him down. No. Okay. His first appearance. Look, I looked into it because oh, really? I was really excited about this new character. So I looked. <laughs> in, I was like, "When's his first appearance?" Because I don't remember. And it was Flash '69. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay. true story. True story. Look it up. But uh, it cuts away to uh, Barcelona, and that's. Uh, What's that guy's name? He's in the Rogues. The Heat guy. Oh, Heat Wave. Heat Wave. See, I knew that. Don't cut that out. And uh, he's just pissed off at the world or what? He's already being chased. Yeah, he's just being chased. It's Heat Wave. He's always a bad guy. And so, yeah, he's blowing up here. But then Captain Cold shows up. Yeah. And like with those tiny slit glasses really be any help to you like in a low light situation like it's not sunny out it's nighttime like the sun's going down like I don't know but that's what he always has and they look cool I guess what I'm saying I think it's a hindrance so, do you know what the deal is with Commander Cold he's from the future right yeah he's part of the renegades that showed up with uh, that was like from like Jeff John stuff okay so I, but, I know he just came from the future but we don't know his, do you know his name like he's just some guy that took up the mantle of, of Captain Cold no he's Commander Cold no I know he's Commander Cold but he's essentially the same character yeah but he's it's, a good guy the renegades were the it was the alternate universe of like the good version of the ropes he's like oh an, okay he's like an intergalactic space cop and so he came Williamson brought him back in his run earlier mm -hmm. and he brought back the entire renegades or whatever but he stuck around to help track down the rogues of this yeah. universe. Yeah, I think he was trapped here or something, but with all these forces and everything. But yeah, it was... Uh, okay, I had forgotten where he came from. But then you got Captain Cold, who was sitting in Belle Reve, right? And he's got his huge mustache and beard. So ca back from the New 52, Captain Cold became part of the um, Justice League with Lex Luthor and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Then when did, he, when did he become bad again? And when did he grow the beard? Is he old now? Is he traveling through time or something? Or is this just... I I think if that's well that's snark right that's snark yeah yeah so I think once Lex Luthor went bad again they tried to, if I remember 
There was something he tried to stay good for a while because wasn't he in Justice League as well? Yeah, he was part of Justice League. And then after, I think he ended up deciding to go bad again, or maybe that's what the offer was. like. I don't know. Okay, but he wasn't. He's not from the future either, is he? No, he's the present time one. Okay, because I think it, he looks really old now with that beard and mustache. He's got a big, thick white beard, well, which I, I don't think, remember having before. Well, at the end of the story, where they go over all that stuff with him being in the Suicide Squad, not mm-hmm. to ruin it. I mean, just to stop your questioning now. I think <laughs> it's, I think it's like a reboot of the character now, and all the stuff doesn't matter because the history they give him later on never happened. He wasn't in Suicide Squad. Okay. What? Well, okay. So I think it's just a reboot of him right now. And, like, I didn't see where he got the gift, his offer, to get this tech. Is that what happens in that book that I'm telling you about? That was the end of the last issue. Was that? Yeah. When he was on Suicide Squad and all that? That was the last issue? When the very last that? issue, yeah, the end of 75 was when uh, <clears throat> Okay. Yeah, Lex, Apex that, Lex comes in. Okay, that was the reboot of him then because I don't think – any of that ever happened I don't remember he was never on Suicide Squad or in Suicide Squad have you been reading Suicide Squad re- recently it, it's not even a story right now is it oh well, maybe not okay it may not be I don't remember I haven't read in a while if anything this podcast is teaching you is there is so much to learn about comic books that even two people that were bold enough to make a podcast <laughs> about comic books don't know shit about what's going on in comic books <laughs> maybe so, that means we shouldn't be doing this or is it just or, too too dense or it's like it really is the thing like should you read everything like one you can't because there's so much like it's oh yeah it's nearly impossible there's, there's and this is just dc when i'm talking about dc marvel valiant image and then it's like you try to connect all the dots and like we've gone over other stuff like when we were talking about deceased it was like well this sounds like two other storylines that are going on it's like would this be as good if we read those or is it better if we didn't and always like do you read everything i don't know or do you just go with what's in the pages that you're presented with? Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, this is just a reboot. I'll go with that. that. I mean, that happens all the time because it's essentially what it is because he was a good guy for a while. Lex was a good guy, and they made him all bad again. And then you already questioned, though, as well. Like, Wallace is also – which one is he? Like, are they both Iris's uh, mm-hmm. or not? So Yeah, that yeah. seems like – because I flipped through that last uh, – the end of Flash Year One, and – <clears throat> at least that's what I got out of it was that Iris was telling him that they're both his, her nephew so they're both from his universe suddenly so okay. I'm confused okay so yeah so anyway it so Heatwave and uh, Captain Cold decided to get the ro- like they're getting the band back together getting the rogues back together and uh, then it cuts back to Barry and Wallace and uh, they're all kind of reconciling, like, yeah, you know what? We do need to work together, and we do need to, like, be more of a family. And uh, everything seems to be going really well. And, you know, I think we could wrap this up right about... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> the, I mean, the very controversial named Black Flash shows up. And uh, he's not... I mean, he's black with a black suit on, but he looks kind of like a zombie. You're probably the Black Lantern, right? Well, he's Death. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I guess he's like the Black Lantern Flash, even though he has the Flash logo. Yeah, I don't think he's a lantern, but still. No, maybe not. Maybe not. I, at first I talked that took it. That's what it was, but maybe not. But either way, he kills. Uh, usually, just kill when it's like a Flash's time to die. He shows up. Either way, and uh, you think he's there for the Barry Allen or somebody, but 
he actually punches him in the face and it's not him he's after he's like no I'm here for you know that brand new character that's been around for all five seconds and uh but just say next death's door so is he actually dead or is it uh next death's door what are you talking the about the next issue it says at the bottom oh. next death's door oh so yeah the character's dying or is he actually dead is it fist through him there's a lot of blood shooting out of his chest there's a, blood, a lot of blood shooting out of his chest and I mean if I didn't know anything about how death works he just has to touch you he doesn't have to like no, evis- point. eviscerate you or anything or... but he's a still force so he moves slowly and he could still still force death maybe well he's steadfast is that still like the same well yeah he's the like the the embodiment of uh, the physical embodiment of the still force so yeah maybe he's just standing still he's just standing still like you're talking about the motion in comics this is just a picture where you think they're moving but they're not they're just all standing still now it's like at the end of a sitcom and they're like <laughs> exactly they're all and then you got the two people in the back they, they kind of look around when they, whenever they do their comedy and they joke around about that and the two are like wait what's going on here they talk out of the side of their mouth and they're like <laughs> what do we just keep standing still? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, next issue, Death's Door. Are you going to tune in or what? Do I don't know. Feel? I'm very curious. But I'm not. Maybe not. I'm not too but much. The one thing I want to bring up here, and I don't want to insult the creators and all that, because the art in this is pretty decent throughout the whole thing. Except for the, you know, what we talked about. Well, we talked about, but then you got the, the part where, I don't know if you're page of this, because there's no page numbers. Why are there no page numbers? But anyway, Barry's standing there talking to Wally towards the end, a couple of pages earlier. Yeah. People complain about Rob Liefeld. So if you go look up Rob Liefeld, there's some art where his um, oh, proportions the, the are terrible. Here, his giant chest is terrible. It reminds you of uh, some cable art that I've seen uh, from Marvel that Rob, Rob, Rob Liefeld has done. Because I didn't quite understand why people hate him so much. I'm like, oh, okay. But this looks just like that. It's pretty that could awful. Be a, that could almost be an homage to that Captain America side profile. Exactly. Like, which there's a meme on the internet that somebody's like done that without his shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, so it looks pretty funny. So, so I don't know. So I don't know if I want to post this one online and uh, tag Rob Liefeld. Hey, Rob, did you draw this? Or hashtag homage Liefeld. Hashtag homage Liefeld. Yeah, R. 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 people listen to us, don't we? R.I.P. Rob Liefeld. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, that was pre- I, thought, I thought that was pretty bad. It was terrible. But overall, I don't know, it's pretty good. Like you said, the, the, the thing about it, Josh Williamson really is building a lot into the whole world of Flash, and just because we haven't been paying attention to it. No, that's 76. He's been writing it for 76 issues now, right? The whole way through. And, like, he even wrote the button that crossed over. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, the yep. second crossover into Batman, didn't he write? Yes, so. yeah, he wrote the Batman, with the second one with Batman. So, yeah, that's what I mean. That's why it's hard to get, like, I mean, we tried to go through that issue not reading at all and it's like that's what I mean there's so much you could go out and get all 76 issues of that and get and it's like a huge just the Flash universe itself there's so much to learn and get through so so all I'm saying all of our complaining or it sounds like we're complaining we don't know what we're talking about is only because there's so much to this whole story from the beginning I think it's worth reading from the beginning if there's time to do it and I tag I tag the podcast with comedy so people demand yucks so the best way is like you know make fun of stuff right I guess so yeah fuck it so speaking of that's a terrible segue damn two for three whatever (laughs) event leviathan (laughs) (laughs) 
number three, Brian, <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis uh, writing it. It's what does it say? Oh no, yeah, he's writing it. And then uh, Alex Maleev, Maleev or Maleev, yeah, I don't know. Uh, doing art and color, right? So, yes. So Alex, why don't you come on the podcast and you can tell us how you actually uh, pronounce your name? Because I want to pronounce it right. Oh, that's like a guest, a guest spot. Exactly. Yeah. Shh, Dieter. <laughs> if we say it, it'll, it'll happen. That was very Field of Dreams right there, Mike. I kind of had a moment. Oh, there like, you go. <laughs> you whispered it and everything. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going for. If you pot it, if you pot it, they will listen. So, yeah. Previous issues saw our supergroup of sensational sleuths coming to the conclusion Leviathan was behind the disappearance of all the world's top spies and organizations. And in their exile from this plane of existence was only the beginning of whatever plan they had up their sleeve. With only till morning to figure out who this new global threat's true identity is, our heroes set their sights on Red Hood Jason Todd as being the most logical suspect with his MO aligning best with Leviathan's ideology and brand recognition. Is this former Bat protege the one they should be after? Or is this just another distraction set in place to keep the team up of detectives chasing their own tails? Opening issue three is most likely the only way we're going to find out. So, yeah. Most likely. I mean, Not guaranteed. No, I mean, you could... Uh, you can wait for somebody like us to tell you. Oh, that's a good point. But for us to figure it out, we had to open it up. See, I was just reading that to you, I guess. Or everybody. I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate that. I write these specifically with you in mind. Like, that's it. That's oh. not true. But anyway. <laughs> I felt special. I was like, what, what would Mike, how would Mike feel about all this? So, yeah, this one starts, uh, like you said, the question looking at some uh, capes in the Fortress of Solitude and you're right or what were you so for, so you get the question sitting here in the uh, Fortress of Solitude staring at a cape there's a bunch of capes and then you got a sword like the Sword in the Stone sitting there and then at the bottom lower right hand corner you've got what looks like the front of T-Rex's mouth so, <laughs> so my question here is is Superman did he, like, hang out with Batman in his back cave, I don't know, having a couple of drinks, and looks around and goes, holy shit, this is pretty cool. And then when he decided to make his new uh, Forces of Solitude in the Bermuda Triangle, he did the same thing. And so he's like, you know, Batman's got all the costumes of Robins and his own costumes there. Superman, so he hangs up his capes. And then he goes, I really like dinosaurs too. And he gets another T-Rex himself. My theory would be that I think, because I think Alfred designed the Bat Cave, right? So, I don't know. I wasn't there. I think I don't know. I, my, I always <laughs> I like to believe that Alfred designed the Batcave. Like that's all Alfred's designs. He's the one that like maintains and upkeeps. Batman's so, too busy brooding on his dead Robins. Exactly. And so like he, like Bruce will come home and be like, find a place for the dinosaur. <laughs> and then like it's up to like his. So I think Clark saw Alfred's touch. He's like, hey, can you uh do the interior designing of my new fortress and. Alfred didn't want to be a dick and be like, no, I'm really just like a one-hit wonder. <laughs> he took on the job, but then he was like, oh, no, Kent showed up, and he was like, shit, Alfred, it's like, just like the bet, but he didn't say, I don't think he said it out loud to hurt his feelings, but I think there was like this, that's probably what happened. That's what happened, so he decided to do it. So if there's a giant quarter in uh, in the fortress, we'll know why, and then Batman will sit there and go, I'm only worth a penny. Superman gets a quarter. Just uh, an Alfred, a dig at Alfred, dig at uh, at Batman. It's like he's like way better than you. Like people would stop to pick up 
super bad. <laughs> people would stop to pick it up. As if like you were on, you know, you were on tails. People would avoid you. They'd be like, ew. You know what I mean? Because you don't pick up a penny when it's tails up, right? <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, so like you'd hardly pick up a penny regardless. <laughs> but if it was tails, you'd like avoid it like the plague. But there is a joke on the second page that is almost like a joke to us because remember when we didn't even know who Manhunter was? Uh-huh. On yeah. The first, and we were like, "Who's that on the cover?" <laughs> and you had to look it up. And then when you re- it was like, "It's Manhunter." I was like, "Oh," like in this, it's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> it was was it this, that page? But yeah, there, there, it happened a couple of times. Oh yeah, I'm not even sure who you are. Says uh, Green Lance, Green Arrow yeah. to Manhunter. She's like, "I'm Manhunter." <laughs> Batman vouched for me. Yeah, so I thought it was funny. Like people in the comic don't even know who she is. And then the other thing, Lois, uh, uh, just talking to um, Plastic Man. And then what? You know, what if he is Leviathan? And then Lois says, "Just then, you're just the guy to protect us, not elongated man." Mm. Wow, that hurt. Because everybody loves loved long, uh, elongated man for a long time, but they brought Plastic Man back. It was kind of funny. That's good stuff. But yeah, this issue is more. The last issue left off with them about to chase down Jason Todd, and this issue is basically just a recap of them of that chase not just of a chase of falling off a building but we'll get to that yeah it's like literally there's a recap of three minutes after where the other issue picked up so i mean we're decompressing these comics quite a bit this week but uh it's them getting there it's basically everybody got their ass kicked except lois picked up a bunch of information Mm -hmm. and it was uh jason basically telling her like look it ain't me but it sure does seem like it was set up to make it look like me. That's what I got out of it, right? Yeah, exactly. And Jason's and he, like, yeah, it should be me. And then he's t- he tells them, you know, you need to find Waller. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it ends with them. Yeah, you got to find Waller. And then uh, they find out that Waller had put a um, uh, tracking device or a recording device in the... Force of Solitude and well, she left one there because she was there yeah. remember she knocked out Jimmy Olsen to escape and nobody's seen her since yeah when the whole story started not in Levent Leviathan but in Superman or action comics not in Superman um, when they're blowing up all the, when they're just destroying all the buildings Superman goes to find Waller Waller's like hey Clark or hey Superman when Clark shows up it's like I know I've known who you are this whole time and so he takes her to the fortress and so she was there hanging out, and everyone's like, "Why do you have her here? You don't tr- you can't trust her." But Superman's superpowers to trust everybody, and uh, she leaves the that device in the fortress. We find out now, right? Yes. And and I like this a lot. So they leave the device, and uh, Green Arrow says, um, "It's Amanda. Hi, it's it's Arrow, the green one. I just wanted to tell you something that I told Steve Trevor earlier today. When you look at the news and you see those splashy, unforgettable, frameable headlines, I want you to remember." This happened on your watch. Oh, which is great because he's just going after her ego. Yeah. All right. So, because if it really isn't her, right? She's and she controls. She basically can control everything in the background. She knows what's going on and, you know, moves all the pieces around everywhere. Usually, he knows that's gonna piss her off to uh, tell her that this all happened and she didn't know what was going on. So that was kind of cool. So it's like Kevin Spacey at the end of Seven, like you know. Yes. Exactly. I tell him like you know, I'm envious of you. Like yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Way to go! That's pretty cool. Yeah, because she ends up shooting the recording box. Yeah, and like I got to get out of here. But then, so Leviathan shows up, and all the dialogue we've gotten out of Leviathan so far, so far, 
Mm-hmm. Would you ever think that the first, like, when the response to <laughs> Waller saying, I know who you are, that's a bluffy bluffer? No, you don't. Like, <laughs> bluffy bluffer. Yeah, that was, that was really odd. So that's what leads me to believe it's, I don't think it's, unless it's like, what, it's Harley Quinn? Ooh, maybe it is. No, it's probably not. Oh, it'll be all, oh, come on. How great would it be if Harley Quinn is the one that takes over everything and she's the one going after all of the, uh, all of the uh, secret organizations that run the world. Yeah, so that would be kind of nuts. But you're right, that is so weird. <laughs> it's, it's, I look at this panel, and it looks like it's Darth Vader. Can you imagine Darth Vader walking up and going, <sighs> bluffy bluffer? No, you, no, don't. you don't. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I don't know, Bendis usually gets, like, I mean, I, I always bag on his, yeah. like, his dialogue for conversations, but, like, that's just his structure. He usually gets voices of characters pretty well. So yeah. I can't believe it's a mistake that he would make it this blatant of like, I don't know. I'm going not... with Harley. Okay. And then you learn that. <laughs> okay, whatever, Mike. Waller's just like, well, I know your mask is designed to make people fear or you, it creates fear and the amount of leadership con- or confidence. So you're just like a charlatan. So all this convincing you're doing of everybody else is just, technology and uh, you know a bunch of other members show up and you think a, a Waller's about to meet her end but uh, Superman shows up and he appears to be on Waller's side right yep are, th- are these men bothering you he just right out assumed that Waller like Leviathan's a dude I thought Leviathan was a chick always from the beginning oh really how but, come yeah, I don't know I assumed it just as hard as uh, Superman did Hmm. I thought it was a. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know why I felt that way. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they all say he, don't they? Or maybe not. Maybe they don't. But yeah, it could be because like it's you. They're well, the Vithans completely covered up, and there's no real shape, right? So it could be anything. They're only talking to chicks too, aren't they? Hmm. Like all the other, who's the Leviathan actually talked to in person? It was Rose. It was Rose. The uh, Red Cloud. Leon. Did he talk to her in person? Who? Who's Leon? The Red Cloud. The uh, the leader of that other new group that Bendis created. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's three chicks, right? He's only talking to chicks. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it is another chick. Or so like and Charlie. here I am confused. Next, Batman. The next issue is Batman versus Superman versus Leviathan. So is it because is is it now Batman's gonna come chase after Waller, but Superman says I know it's not her. Is that basically what the, the next issue is gonna be? Yeah, that's just another distraction, right? Yeah, because it's the issue four. It's not gonna be till issue five that we find out who it is. And it really is Jason Todd, because Jason Todd was like, "You better go find Waller." Oh, that'd be like, great. Go back to Jason Todd. It's like, yeah, fooled you. <laughs> Thought you had the answer, but now you didn't. But then, like, can you argue that it wasn't somebody you could have figured out then? Yeah, you can't, I don't know. You can't really figure it out, because it's just, no, it's not me. Yes, it is. There's no clues to anything, really, except what she says. All right, because she says, um, you're a con artist, right? And so it could be, uh, and he mentioned long, Elongated Man, which would just be a reference so that you would say, hey, they referenced him, so it must be him. But he was a con artist before he became a cop. So it could be him. But, again, it's just because Waller thinks she knows who it is. But yeah, there's nothing in here. I don't think that can that you can look point to and say, 
Uh, oh, I could have figured that out. So you get a recap of three minutes, and then the story gets moved forward, like maybe 15 to four, maybe 45 more seconds. Well, basically, it's not Todd. It's not Todd, and then uh, they're going after Waller. That's basically it. And Superman shows up. Boom. Yep. That's it. Yeah, That's pretty much. One. I mean, like you said, I'm still interested to find out, but there's no story here. I'm very much enjoying reading it, but there's no story though. Like, is it all just going to be an issue? Like we said, issue five is the last one. Uh, I think issue is the sixth, the last one. But Bennis was talking about when you know the listen to him call a podcast and online. He's it's like an Ag- Agatha Christie mystery. So you'll find out by the end of the, the fifth one. Which means that you know you find out it's all the mystery, and then you find out, and then you get the uh, recap of what happened and and things moving forward. So I'm not sure if it guarantees that you'll find out in the fifth one, but that's what it sounds like. Just give me those three issues then. Why do you need this one? (laughs) Why not? Because Because you wanted to watch a you wanted to read three four pages of them just falling off a building and multiple people falling at different rates. The physics of that fall just amaze me. They're inside a vacuum. <laughs> well, they're falling, and then they're shooting each other, and you got Manhunter, he, he attacks Manhunter, and then uh, uh, Plastic Man, and he pushes Plastic, shoots Plastic Man away, and then Robin falls down on top of him further, and then they crash through the building. That's pretty amazing. That's why I like comics, because it would not work it. at all in a, in a movie. <laughs> You can imagine how long they were falling and how, I don't know, Robin must have had, like, jetpacks in his shoes or something to fly faster. It's like a plane flying from New Jersey to Singapore. Exactly. Going the wrong way. <laughs> not taking more than a couple hours. Yep. Suspended belief. But anyway, I know we haven't gone through it much, but the art's pretty cool, and I like I like the story. I'm enjoying it. Even though, like you, you said, know, it's not really a mystery. It's just, I mean, the mystery you can solve. It's just... You're watching them go through interrogating everybody until you find out who it was. Yeah, and the art, like you said, it does a good job of like doing like a, you know, it's all like mystery background and like, you know, it looks like they're in dark alleys. Mm-hmm. It gives you that like kind of noir type story, yeah. crime status. So yeah, yeah it's it pretty fun. Him and it was Bendis and Malev or Malay, Malev or again, Alex, you'll let us know when you're on the podcast. Um, the other ones that did, uh, that created Jessica Jones, I believe. Just slipping that in there, all like so that might make people believe, like what they're going to be on the podcast. <laughs> Got to get people to listen to new episodes, just like how oh Dan, D- Dan DiDio listens to. I don't understand Mike's sarcasm. I, uh, <laughs> are they going to be on the next episode? <laughs> Again, if you if you say it, it'll happen. Yeah, that's right. If you pot it, they will listen. Well, anyway, Dieter, have I got a story for you? Oh, <gasps> you segued. Oh, <laughs> I did. Did you write a uh, uh, synopsis or anything for this? No, we don't do that anymore. There's okay. no synopsis. This All is right. a. That's right. I should know that. I'm the one part of ones that does this. Anyway, so the book that I had chosen for you was Second Coming by Mark Russell. And I don't know, Pace. I didn't read it. Uh, who was? I didn't read uh, who, uh, Richard, Richard Pace. Pace. There you go. Yes. And then uh, Leonard Kirk to the f- was a finisher. What does that mean? Andy I Troy. was going to ask you. I wanted to ask you what a finisher was. I don't know because he's a finisher and a colorist. 
I don't know if I worked. So if I was the artist and I had to turn my work into that guy, I'd be like, finish it. <laughs> every time. Like that guy would hate me. Hey, like finish, every, it. finish it. Finish it. <laughs> like throw it at him. And he'd be like, that's not funny anymore. I'd be like, finish it. You keep like, doing why, it. Why don't you finish that joke? I'd be like, that's the spirit. Like, oh. Good job. Now get it done. Now finish it. Uh, anyway. The Earth pages, but wait, sorry. Now that I'm segueing here, and this podcast is probably as boring as hell if people are still listening. But I'm so, entertained. Leonard, what? I'm entertained. <laughs> That's good. That's all that matters. Leonard Kirk is a finisher for Earth pages, and Indy Troy is the colorist. Oh, colorist for Earth pages. But then what about the rest? Because our Richard Pace did it all. Oh, I'm yeah, so I confused. Think, I think Pace did everything. Yeah, because if you look, the Earth pages do look a lot different. Yeah, there are two. I was going to get to that. They're, those are all different than the uh, Heaven pages. They looked like they were finished and uh, colored. And the other ones weren't. So anyway, so I guess he drew it all. Oh, that's what it is. Pace drew it all and did everything for the Heaven Pages, but Leonard Kirk and Andy Troy did, did, I guess, the inking and whatnot. And shout out to Amanda Connor for the cover. Oh, yeah, Amanda Connor with the cover. She, she did a lot of that, uh, the Harley Quinn and the New 52. Okay. Well, so, yeah, okay. Yes, and those were really good, too. Go back and read those. Those are excellent. Well, I think she did the art, right? Amanda kind of wrote it, and uh, shoot, I knew the guy that drew it. It was Amanda Connor and Jim Palmiotti, right? Yeah. So I think she wrote it, and he colored it, drew it. Why is she drawing covers, though? Maybe they'll be around. Oh, you're right, she'll be around. He wrote it, she drew it. Yeah, because like she drew, she was the one that drew Harley all the time. And yeah. Like her covers were hella good. And she drew this, so I should have gone straight with that. Good job, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so. This is one that I've heard about quite a while ago. So it's called Second Coming. And all you heard when they, when they first mentioned the book was it's supposed to be a DC Vertigo book where Jesus uh, is a roommate of Superman. right? Not actual Superman, but essentially it's a pastiche of Superman. Wickedly funny premise right off the bat. Right off the bat to me is hilarious. Now, I'll have to say this off the bat. I have no intentions of insulting anybody or offending anyone talking about Jesus and whatnot, but that's what this entire book is. Um, and because of that, people people got offended. DC said, you know what? We may not want to uh, publish this book. And uh, uh, Mark Russell said, oh, come on. What are you doing? This is not offensive. This is, you know, I'm just trying to write, write the story and people don't quite get what it is. And so anyway, so um, uh, Vertigo respectfully declined after this. they were going to pu- publish it. And uh, Mark Russell went to Ahoy Comics, which is a f- relatively new um, publisher. I had never heard of it before. When I was like, Ahoy Comics, like, I was like, okay. This, yeah, I, didn't, I had never heard of anything else they had published. So. Yeah, I had never heard of it either. I'm sure they were like, you know what? I'm going to take the opportunity. If this is controversial, anything controversial will help us get people to just know that we exist, right? So that's probably why they did it. But the whole book is um, told in, say, let's say, essentially DC Universe. And uh, Jesus comes down, and it's God is more is more of the Old Testament asshole type God, with all of the uh, you know, what would you call it all, in the Old Testament, like the fire and brimstone. There you the go, wrath, the fire and, and brimstone, like, and the plagues, and the yeah, and the revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then the smitings. Oh, the smitings. <laughs> oh, the smitings. So so God sends Jesus down. Hey go figure it, fix what's going on in Earth, because Earth, Earth is a bit of a mess. 
and he, but he kind of wants Jesus to smite everybody and continue that uh, way of thinking. And Jesus is like, no, no, we got to be good to people, and you got to forgive people, and you got to understand why people are doing what they're doing, and you got to convince them to be good, not just smite them to be good. And he meets the Superman character, who is what Sunstar. Yes. And uh, basically, Sunstar is Superman just punching things. And Jesus is trying to convince him that that's not the way either. All right, and so that's basically what the book is. But it's Mark Russell, and Mark Russell has a whole um, uh, essay at the end talking about what this book is about and why he wrote it. And he talks about how him being a blasphemer because he's going against what the Bible says and everything and kind of, kind of making fun of it, but not. His whole thing is, hey, this is my interpretation of what Jesus would have done. He's out here. He's the only one trying to do things differently. He's the only one, you know, not, you know, everybody's treating each other like crap. And he's trying to say, hey, be good to each other and understand why people are doing what they're doing and we can fix the world that way. So, I don't know, everything about it seemed like, I know we're not really talking about the actual issue, but there's a lot of humor in it. If you've read anything um, that Mark Russell has done before, he likes to use humor to get a point across, either if it's political or if it's social or... Well, he uses a very specific... He uses, uh, like, satire. There you go. I couldn't think of the word satire. 100%. Like, very... Like, I think he's... Like, that's when you gave me the book, and I was like, when you told me what book it was, and I saw his name to it, I knew right away, like, okay, this is going to be... One, it's going to be, like... I think his books, if you read The Flintstones or anything Mm -hmm. he does, he does a really, really good job at, like, giving you the one side of the story and making it seem like it'll give you the opinion to where you're like that's dumb like you're right mm-hmm. i'm on this guy like he's obviously making this look stupid and i'm on that side because like it speaks to you like because the way he portrays god and the way he portrays uh the bible in general is very just like it's very satirical in a way where it's almost like you know it's putting it down to where you're like oh yeah how could somebody believe something so stupid right but then you go through the issue and what Mark Russell does is then he'll develop characters and he'll start giving you the other side of the argument and he'll do it in such a way to where usually by the end you'll be like, damn, that's got a point as well. And now you're confused and that's exactly what satire does, right? It's supposed to spark mm-hmm. you know, conversation. And he does it perfect in this issue. Like I said, he, he makes God out just to be a complete dick like he doesn't care about jesus he doesn't care about humans anymore he's just like (laughs) and it's like it's very true like he uses like he's not making it up like if you go through the bible like that's basically how he would act you know what i mean Mm -hmm. in the old testament right the new testament where it's different but jesus is the one that so yeah so when jesus shows up you're not on jesus's side at all in this book and then you get to meet the superhero guy and he's just like you said like superman he's doing all the punching and stuff and you're kind of on his side already to where by the end of the book he flips it on you and Jesus gives his opinion of like, look, you can punch all you want, but you're not going to punch away evil. Like you can't true evil is a choice that people make. And if you can prove to people that as much as we choose to be evil, you can choose to be good. And that's the only way you're going to solve the world's problems. Like, what are you doing? And then they're like, you know what I mean? So you get that opinion, you're like, holy shit, by the end of it, you're like, God damn, mm-hmm. I'm on Jesus' side 100%. <laughs> like, he's right. It is a choice to be good. And if everybody would just make the choice instead of choosing greed and choosing everything else, like, and that's what the whole, like this, it goes into the, uh, I think this story starts to lead into what it's going to be about because it tells the story about 
his friend, his best friend was the one that made the cross that yep. he was crucified on mm-hmm. and how people are so attached to the cross now. And Jesus says, the cross had fucking nothing to do with my story. Mm-hmm. The Me being nailed to the cross was the the least of what happened to me that day. And it shows him forgiving because his best friend that was making these crosses, he was a carpenter. He, Jesus was a carpenter when he grew up. He left the business to his best friend. His best friend ended up making the crosses that the Romans used to kill everybody back then. People started seeing him as a conspirator with the Romans, and they spit on him, and they exiled him. And then on the day that Jesus is crucified, he sees him, and Jesus forgives him. And that's where he's saying, you know, the least what I did, and they show him, forgive him, and showing him all people really need is somebody, they just want somebody else to witness their suffering. You know what I mean? They just want somebody else to see them, and they want to be loved. So it's just almost like a powerful story, and it's just the first issue. And I think it's going to be really good. And like I said, it's comedy all the way throughout, and... I think you should definitely pick it up. Yeah, because yeah, like you said, a lot, of, a lot. Of, if people are offended by satire of religion, <clears throat> like you said, there's parts where you can take it that way. But I really don't think that's his his intention at all. And like oh, he says yeah. in his thing in the back, it's his interpretation of what Jesus did, and which it works he, really, really well. He, which he says is basically that's the entire New Testament is yeah. you know Peter and everybody else's opinion on what God wanted them to do, mm-hmm. and he's like so. If I'm just in the same company as them, how am I being blasphemous? So yeah, it's 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 just his take on what Jesus wanted from us, and he even goes on to say like even if it's not Jesus, like anybody that thinks that way of just like, you know, just think positive instead of negative, could probably get a lot more done. So, and it all comes down to read it first before you freak out. And if it's <clears throat> if I'm wrong because I'm not a very religious person and it is blasphemous, please let me know. But you know, it does not seem like that at all to me. I think he did a really good job. I think Vertigo missed out. Or maybe not. Maybe the, you know, because like people love controversy, more people will pick it up now. More people will actually seek it out. Like you said, maybe Ohio will get the business and then it'll do well. And then nothing's going to change. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> still might get a good story out of it. Just like we might get some good news out of Mike. So yes, I got some news for you this week. One tidbit that's already old, but I forgot wait, to wait, mention wait, last wait. week. Wait, Before you get into the news, people want to know, do you have a game this week? Yes, I do. Oh, all right. You're and, allowed to do the news then. <laughs> all right. Thanks to Wallet as Mitch, because oh. uh, on Instagram, he uh, said he was said he was disappointed that he was that there was no new game last week. So I had to make sure there was one this week. I believe that's wallet ass Mitch. I'm sorry. There's no inflections in uh, Instagram, so I can't tell. Well, I mean, if you've ever used the word wallet in your life, you would know. <laughs> I do. I get my card on my wallet. No, I'm go is. grab my wallet. That's not wallet at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not hip. Neither are we. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so uh, uh, Greg Capullo, he has signed a contract with DC which I didn't realize he was leaving D.C. or not, but apparently he signed a contract with D.C. And uh, he and Snyder are going to be uh, create, uh, joining on, in on another quote-unquote secret project. Think so, Batman will be in it? I think Batman will be in it. I, I don't know. And then somebody, because you know, he, he tweeted this out, and then there was 
another tweet for one of his other books, the cover for all oh, the cover for the next event Leviathan. And apparently there's like a hidden uh, Batman Beyond logo at the bottom if you look at it closely. And somebody brings that up, and somebody brought it up and goes, "Hey, is that Batman Beyond logo? Does that mean you're doing another uh, Batman Beyond book, or a Batman Beyond book?" And Capullo goes, "I can't believe it took too many people. You know, uh, it said something about being surprised it took this long for someone to notice." But, you know, it's one of those Twitter things where people are going to take it too far and think it means something. I think Capullo just drew it in there because it has nothing to do with Batman Beyond or his uh, work with Snyder going forward. But regardless, I'm excited. I like Capullo. And uh, Snyder and Capullo together on Batman have been excellent. Just hopefully they'll come up with a new story. It'll be something a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. I like them a lot. So, I don't know. Even if they did something else, I wouldn't mind. But, uh... I'd re- I'll, yeah, I'll buy anything with Capullo mm-hmm. with art. Good stuff. And then, um, so remember the, the, the Tales from the Dark, Tales from the Dark Multiverse we talked about, where they were doing the uh, Death of Superman, and uh, I forgot the other one. A couple of the old stories where they're, <clears throat> it's like old classic stories, and they're uh, trying to do a um, the Dark Multiverse version of it, like the the uh, Death yeah, of yeah. Superman will be Lois being you know going nuts. Whoa. Well, the next two they announced are going to be Infinite Crisis, which I guess will be interesting. And then it's going to be Blackest Night. How is this any different from, like, the Flashpoint where I don't know. that universe had everything was, like, wacky? Like, That's basically what it is. I don't know. They're trying to go further into this dark multiverse side of things. And like I said, Blackest Night, I don't know if it just means that they they all win and they're all and it's the world taken over by uh, zombies, you know, like deceased. That'll be dope be kind of cool so we'll see I don't know what that is they're all one shots but I'm kind of interested it's a, it's a cool concept yeah um let's see oh the infected DC one shots the whole Batman Superman story with uh the Batman who laughs oh that's continuing in Batman's or Batman and Superman right yes Superman. that's continuing in Batman and Superman the whole thing is there he's infecting superheroes mm-hmm. do you want to know who the who the superheroes are going to be infected is it all of them, or is it just a teaser? Just a few. There's a few of them. All right. Yeah. Let me know. Anyway, it's gonna be so the infected DC one shots. So they're gonna have a single one shots, and then there's that book. It starts with Shazam, which I think is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. All the children inside of him. Uh huh. About it. Yep. <laughs> and then Scarab. So I think it's the uh, Blue Beetle. Okay. Then they can have Hawkman and Supergirl. So that's kind of cool. Together, like that's hot. no separate ones. They're all with single one shots. Oh. Oh, okay. Damn. <laughs> Seems like DC's doing the you know the the tie-in type thing and trying to get you to buy multiple books of single stories. Like uh, they just did Sinestro, You're the Villain, and uh, another one this week. This next week, that was I think we we're going to do that as a book. It's a uh, the Black Mask. Oh, that's right. The Black Mask is ties ties into the Teen Titans story. Ooh, okay. We'll do that's that. next week. That's next week. Shh, shh. Awesome. You don't know. Shh. Yeah. Right. What also is next week is uh, Superman number fourteen because it was delayed. So it'll be out, I think, next uh, next a week from one a week from this Wednesday. So on Sweet. the twenty uh, eighth, Superman fourteen's coming out. Yeah, buddy. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Oh, if you've ever wondered what a J.J. Abrams Spider-Man comic book written by J.J. Abrams and Henry Abrams is going to be like, with Sarah Pacelli doing the art, you can uh, look no further. A couple of months, it's coming out. So I know you've been Ooh. questioning that. Who can draw your best solar flare? <laughs> your lens, your best lens flare. Sarah Pacelli, she can do it. She can draw lens flares like nobody. Like I want her on my book. 
So, so that's kind of cool. Like, I want to see J.J. Abrams like make a superhero movie and write a comic book, but it's him and his son. So you think, that, is this a uh, a way, which um, nepotism is all good, nothing wrong with it. Is it him trying to get like his son's foot through the door? How old is his son? I don't know. I think he's, I mean, he looks like he's, I, I saw, there was a picture of him. I'm thinking he's in his early 20s, something like that. Absolutely. Like if it was like, here's my nine-year-old or he's something. He's my nine-year-old. <laughs> That'd be cool. They wrote a book together. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be like, all right, I get it. It's like, this is a book for kids yeah. about, like, you know, that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like, maybe I could write comic books, Dad. It's like, you wouldn't <laughs> be able to. You don't know shit about comic books, you piece of God damn it, I hate you, little JJ. And like, uh, he's like, but Dad, can't you just get me in the biz? I don't know. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm sure that's exactly how, the, uh, how that uh, conversation went. And then they got Alfred to like design his office, but they just put like a big giant dinosaur in there. <laughs> made it look just like everything else. A giant dinosaur. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, this last story here. I got a couple of things, but nothing, whatever. But this last story here. So I read his, his article. You do that every episode. It's like you. It's such a tease. It's like, yeah, I got like four or five more news items, but <laughs> you're not going to hear them. And you know what? Um, I'm lying because there's only other one. I'm looking at this because I'm jumping around oh. my list here. I guess there's only other one. Okay, here I'll go with it. Green Lantern ends and Black Stars begins. So that whole um, Grant Morrison story, he's destroying the entire Green Lantern core. Mm. And he's creating, Green Lanterns are turning into Black Stars, or at least Hal is turning into a Black Star, whatever that means. I don't know, I didn't read that. Yeah, well, none of that is even leading to that. So there's, I've read a bunch, I've stopped reading it, but which it wasn't terrible. Liam Bar- the Liam Sharp art was great, but each story was separate, and it's Grant Morrison craziness. But here, this is what they explain is, so Hal Jordan, as a former Green Lantern, signs up for duty as the newest member of what Morrison calls a sinister a sinister cult of universal peace and harmony involving surrender to the will of the insidious and or possibly illuminated controller Mew. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. No, but Morrison's always fun. I just, I'm not a huge uh, Green Lantern fan. And I couldn't, I just didn't think that book would have been for me. So I never picked it up. The the Jeff Johns Green Lantern book was really good. That one, and then, uh, was it? No, it was uh, Gleason did... Uh, the art for um, the Green Lantern Corps at the same time. I, I read, read all those on the DC Universe app. They were excellent. I read the just the Green Lanterns where it was Jessica yeah. and the other guy because mm-hmm. I because we followed Jessica from you know the Dark Side War and all that stuff. Yeah, but that was not that good to me still. Even though I was like invested in the character of uh, Jessica Cruz. Oh, speaking of, I got some news since uh, nobody wrote in, but. <laughs> got a correction for the last episode where uh, talking about that Valiant book mm-hmm. I said I said Ninjak's real name was Colin Quinn and that's not true it's Colin King uh. Uh, Colin Quinn being a shitty comic from stand up comic from the 80s I thought you were thinking Boston. of Brian Quinn oh no no Colin Quinn was the, the oh that's right <laughs> Yes, I know you're talking about. The guy from Boston or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I knew a guy named Tim. He was on Last Night Live too, wasn't he? I knew a guy named Tim Murphy that did a pretty good impression of that guy. He did like a stand-up. He did, I don't know, it was pretty good. But anyway. So. Yeah, (laughs) correction. Ninjax, (laughs) true identity. His identity is Colin King. Correcting our own mistakes before people even tell us. Because I know it was was bugging lots of people. It's not like I just sit here with our podcast playing on repeat or anything in between (laughs) recordings or anything. (laughs) And I noticed it, but yeah. And if there are any corrections, 
you can email us at 4colorultrasound, the number 4, 4colorultrasound at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram. So go for it. Um, Get to the game. What's up? Get to the game. Get to the game. Um, oh, sorry. No, no. I wanted to tell this story here. So there was so there was a news article. So this is a real story that happened. So some guy had some guy who owns a comic book store had uh, three thousand comics in his um, storage unit. They all got stolen. Okay, and so he's like, when in his com- only comic book store, he talks to his um, crew and says, "Look, if anybody comes in to try to sell comics, just to say yes. You know, we'll we'll try to buy anything anybody wants to sell us, and we'll just see how this goes." So a woman comes in with a big box of comics. So, I mean, long story short, she tries to sell him back his comics from a, a storage shed that she just happened to steal it from, from quite a while, from quite a ways away, right? So the guy goes, oh, oh and she, the guy's, the store owner starts to say, hey, you know, we'll buy these from you. Do you guys have anything more? She goes, oh, yeah, we do, right? So she goes home. He calls her. Uh, he calls the cops. He calls her and says, hey, you want to meet me? And so the woman says, yeah, she and her boyfriend, oh, we, we do storage units. So he gets the two of them, her and her boyfriend, to meet him, to sell him comics that he has, she has no clue she's selling back to him. And he does this whole sting with them and gets them arrested by the cops. So it was stolen from his storage locker, not the store. No, it wasn't, yes, it wasn't stolen from a store. It was stolen from a storage locker. And they just happened to bring it to the store. Happened to bring it to his store to try to sell it to him. And he recognized that it was his books, and then he like set up his own sting to get them busted. Correct. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. The best part, like, she tried to sell to him because the reason he the reason he knew was it was the same box that he had like drawn in on the inside of the box something, and yeah. then uh, he picked up a comic and found like the same mark that he had on his comic. That guy's like, he could never be more like Batman. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So that's pretty greatest, cool. World's greatest comic book store owning detective. Mm-hmm. All right. So here we go. Let's get to the game, and uh, someone's got to come up with a n- name for this game. And uh, uh, I don't know an intro or anything. The game with no name. There you go. All right. So the name of the comic is Horde. Okay. All right. After the death of her father, Ruby Ando tries to reconnect with her estranged and isolated mother, whose hoarder house is a nightmare labyrinth of secrets and dangers. All all the love Ruby was never shown. She la- she sees her mother lavish on her treasures and, tr- and trinkets, the possessions that possess her. But when Ruby desperately tries to free her mother, the house wages war, ensnaring both women within its maze. Brought to hideous and twisted life by a mother's love, the Horde is determined to purge Ruby from the collection or see her join it forever. Already I'm on board with that one. I'd like to see that. Brought, that, brought, I, like, uh, that'd already be adapted in like a movie. In my mind. <laughs> it does awesome. sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. All right. All right. <laughs> After the death of her father, Ruby Ando spends her days and nights mired in depression watching zombie movies, remembering the happy times when she and her dad would watch horror movies on Saturday nights. Eventually, she sees a new craze gone viral on social media, hoarding, large groups who take, fo- who take photos of themselves slumbering like zombies through public areas. Attempting to feel closer to her father, Ruby joins in. But just as Ruby starts to feel better, reality and fantasy start to blur until she wakes up one day with what looks like a half-eaten dead body in her apartment. Brought to hideous life and tw- brought to hideous and twisted life by daughter's love, the horde is determined to purge Ruby from her depression or see her join it forever. That one is dumb enough to be a comic book with like, <laughs> the, in- the integration <laughs> of social media viral <laughs> sensations. Like it was like <laughs> 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 that, 
that's totally something a comic book would like pick up on and be like, oh yeah, kids are planking. How about hoarding? <laughs> what, like storing a bunch of shit in their house? Uh-huh. No, no, like uh-huh. acting like zombies and then uh-huh. they become real zombies. Oh boy, all right. So yeah, okay, I don't know. Shit. <laughs> the last one. The last one. After the death of her father, Ruby Endo is left with the task of cleaning out his house and finds an old-looking gold bracelet engraved with a phoenix flanked by demons. Soon, Ruby is plagued with nightmares of slaughtered villages in 13th century China. As these nightmares become more frequent and more intense, Ruby researches the bracelet, discovering it once was stolen and is now possessed by none other than Genghis Khan, who is now possessing her. Brought to hideous and twisted life by this bracelet, Genghis and his golden horde are determined to complete their mission of conquering the world. What? See, they, like from the beginning, as soon as you're like... <laughs> The book's name is Horde. I'm like, God damn, that, that word has so many meanings. <laughs> it's like, none of these books are the same. They're all about three different things that all have that title. Exactly. That was the game. Bringing Genghis Khan back is totally like comic booky as well. Damn. <laughs> oh, Which man. one are you going for? Oh, you got to give me... All right. I, I used to watch that show Hoarding on TLC all the time. Uh, I love seeing people worse off than me, so, uh, you might have made that up knowing that I enjoy stuff like that. Maybe. Oh, the second one seemed too good to be true. (laughs) Number number two, that's the, that's the dumbest one to be in a comic book for sure. So that's the one you're choosing? Number two, final answer. No, that is wrong. What the fuck? I made that up. Wow. (laughs) Uh, what's real <laughs> you take a guess is it Genghis Khan or is it a, a hoarder woman who's hordes of um, the, is it the hoarding woman yes. is it number one? Oh, damn it man I was going to go with that but I, oh, I could have damn it so and so I don't know I didn't I should have spelled so but it's spelled H-O-R-D-E yeah it didn't matter I knew you made up that third one because like you're stretching it on the golden horde come on now but that's real yeah, I know. Okay. That's why I was like, you get, but that's. I, like, I, had to, yeah. I had to find something. You could yeah. tell I was looking for something. It's like a word you didn't know how to say that you didn't that you didn't create or a word you created. What? You couldn't pronounce the what was the baguette or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I had to make yeah. that up too last time. God damn it, Mike! You're good with those. So yeah, you go to now. You're five. Ooh. It's like five and two or something. Five to two now. God damn. Where is it? That's good. Yeah. Oh, you, yes, it's five to two now. I'm gonna have to like go on a hot streak or something. Yeah. I'm gonna have well, to hope you like start writing really shit. God damn, that was a good. This that second one was really good. Was that decent? Was that decent? I I I was happy with all three of them to a certain Aren't extent. You, Some of them I'm like I'm not happy with at all. Interjecting the social media viral thing is something that's, t- that's totally like. Te- hip teens are into comics, right? <laughs> Did you like that? I was I was in your picture good story. See, now I want to make this into a movie. Picture she's so depressed. She she finds out these people are just slumbering because you I, I can see people doing that slumbering through with like stores and big things like when you know when they did the uh, all the uh, shit the mob, flash mobs right. But here's yeah. a flash mob of just people just slowly slumbering through Walmart and I see people looking just like what the fuck are these guys doing? <laughs> but they think it's funny and they take a picture of themselves doing it. But then, crazy. but then she goes too far with it. Starts eating people. That's awesome. Oh, good times. Well, maybe we'll get a movie deal out of this someday. Patent pending. Sweet. Trademarked. Copyrighted. There you go. Use them all. Yeah, there you go. Just in case. I don't know if it works that way, but 
I'll get a lawyer someday too. <laughs> my brother, yeah. my brother works for the uh, patent office. Does he know anything about trademarks? I don't know. I'll get him to work. Send him these episodes and get him to get him to work. <laughs> All right. But uh, hey, do until something. then, until then, uh, I guess we'll you can hear us all again next week so yeah goodbye Mike goodbye Dieter